0: this is john aka j lab and you're listening to the decisive podcast series you're about to hear the first up in a series of exclusive live recordings. so i'm going to be making for decisive throughout 2020 so turn up the volume and enjoy
1: hello everyone Welcome to another Decisive Podcast series, Roberto Q. Ingram. I'm excited about 2020. I have decided to regroup and do something more fun and different and more challenging. One being I will be inviting my favorites, some cool artists that really, really show Decisive some love. Today, my special guest is Jonathan Dickens, <laughs> free rotation resident from England, and he is a very exciting guy. He has shown me nothing. But love and will continue to be a part of our Decisive Podcast live series. Live series meaning that we will be having on the team guys that are doing only live acts. They will present exclusive live acts, specifically programmed or, shall I say, themed with a really cool idea in mind for each and every episode so that you, the listener, can really actually dial into the artist and dial into the podcast. We will be streaming the podcast on SoundCloud and on our mother page which is problematic please go there if you want to subscribe or like or even engage with the artist. we would love to have your support um, we will only be streaming this year um, we hope that this streaming process will help you to engage a little bit more with our artists and let us know what you're thinking this is really important for us and we really appreciate your support and if you'd like to know more about our endeavors, please go to the DecisiveSeries.de website, also our Facebook group and also on our YouTube page. I am looking forward to a big challenge this year on branding. So I am looking forward to hearing from you on Decisive Pages Anywhere. With that said, let's get on with the interview with JLab Decisive Pages. Podcast series live episode number one, two thousand twenty. I am here with AKA JLab for the Decisive Series interview. It's Thursday, February the thirteenth, two thousand and twenty. Happy New Year, buddy! Happy New Year to you
0: too. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about it. yeah.
1: JLab, JLab is a well known, actually well known at uh, for as a free rotation resident. He's a musician live performer and he's been doing his thing for about 25 years, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, long, yeah, yeah. For 25 30 so, years? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, I suppose just purely dance stuff since about sort of like 96, mm-hmm. but I was in a band and we had sequences and mm-hmm. stuff like that you, and we got into all that. We'll, we'll about get to that. 92. We'll get to that. Yeah, um he's residing in Berlin. He's originally from? I'm from the Midlands originally, but i spent most of my time living in London. J-Leb and
1: I have agreed to try something different for you people this year, 2020, um, and that is to release live recordings of his sessions with a particular theme or idea he has in mind um, exclusively for the Decisive Podcast Live Series 2020. His live session recordings are important enough to gravitate to his core supporters and to those that uh, actually appreciate how much work is done to uh you know actually extract such work so we're just about to explain our goal in this live interview with aka j lab so let's get with it bro thank you for being here today
0: thank you for having me <laughs> what have you been doing lately well i suppose what uh i mean we last spoke in september so yeah i had a holiday i had a holiday Uh, which was nice in October. Finally, Uh, right? Oh yeah, finally, yeah. And uh, ended up at the end Mm -hmm. of that holiday at the Space Mountain Festival in Spain, um, which is run by Youth, the record producer, Mm -hmm. um, bass player of Killing Joke. And um, yeah, just hung out there for a few days at the end of the holiday. Ended Mm -hmm. up doing a lot of jamming on bass, actually. Uh, yeah. That. yeah, they kind of have an open studio thing there, it's, a, it's like a miniature version of Free Rotation in a way, or it oh. was last year anyway, yeah, it's nice. So yeah, then got back and um, just been working on stuff um, as per, it's just constantly ongoing. Um, and I put out an EP on Bandcamp, uh, some ambient stuff I did, drone stuff. Um, well, I'm looking
1: forward to that in the in the series man.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that that that's also possible. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I was working on basically beds and stuff for live uh, live performances and ideas, and uh, ended up sort of in the ambient territory hit Record. So there was like two pieces I put up there. Um, that I've released, they're uh, both done in one take, straight out. Um, no sort of real fixing in the mix. It is what it is, you know.
1: What excites you about music, man?
0: Um. Good question, good question. Possibilities, possibilities um, within sort of like, you know, limitations, but then there's an infinite sort of palette there, you know. Yeah, I suppose it comes from the point of view that I, I came into like, yeah, techno and house music, dance music, I came into it through being in a band. And a band that got into sequences and stuff like that. And then when that band stopped, uh, me and two others in the band carried on with another guy and sort of mutated into a more sort of techno thing. Um, And yeah, um, so. I've always had the belief, in every band I play in, and I've had this belief as a musician, you've got to be able to cut it live, Uh, and from the outset, when I was doing stuff in the 90s, we've always played live, always played live, and... And so I've always. Is it the, had, is it
1: the performance that did insight excites you about them? What yeah, I
0: like I like. I, I it's not that fourth wall thing. I think, particularly dance music, it's not so much like a band on the stage presenting their album, um, and a show like you know Michael Jackson, Madonna, Pink Floyd, whoever. It, it's like you know the dance music thing is is a participatory thing. You know, the audience isn't passively receiving. Um, you get something back, I think, more okay, than mm-hmm. playing. Because I still play bass and you get more back from doing that sort of gig, I find, on me personally, than from sort of like when you're on stage with a band. Um, okay. and, 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 you know, the band I was in the 90s had a sort of, sort of that kind of philosophy it's kind of similar to what Killing Joke had when they started, like where they imagine themselves in the centre of a of a, of a gathering of and the band is a generator and not the focal point. It is just the generator of the experience. I think dance music gives you that possibility more. Um, you know, when you've got a room full of people who want to dance, you know, you have that. You are kind of like a generator for an experience, you know. Okay, I like that. There's the- plenty of people who can tell you great stories about what they did in clubs, women they met, or men they met, or whatever, mm. experiences they had, um, or what have you. But, you know, uh, not many of you can tell you the record that was playing at the time, do you see what I mean?
1: Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, some people voice themselves through music, so um, it's always a different per se per per person. So, I mean, you have been a bass player, so
0: why did you pick up the damn bass anyway? Uh, that's a good question. Um, well, I kind of got interested in the idea of playing music in my teenage years, and. Um, Managed to get a bass guitar exploit in the flat. My mum and dad had split up, and so I could kind of like play one off again the other. And my dad got me the bass, and um, yeah, I suppose uh, I don't know. I looked at different instruments, I suppose there was an element in the beginning of well, the bass has only got four strings, blah blah blah, they don't really play chords. <laughs> okay. But what I like, I mean, you know, um, I play the bass quite well and a lot of instru- other instruments badly, is how I say it. But what I like about playing bass, guitar and band situations, you kind of, you're standing on the street corner, you've got to pay attention to everything when you play the bass. You've got a, a, a melodic harmonic thing and of course there's a the rhythmic thing with the drummer as well you kind of the glue that keeps it all together. Mm-hmm. Guitars, I mean, got the only guitarists they just disappearing into their own world. Mm-hmm. Drums mad as oh, fish, yeah? <laughs> you know, we all know about these singers syndrome. So, like, you know. <laughs> okay. You know what, I've met bands where the bass player was the only one who, like, in the early days, uh, had had a telephone or had a driving license, you know, useful things like that.
1: <laughs> what, what excites you besides music?
0: Um, what excites me besides music? Uh, nature, riding my bike. Um, a, significant, uh, a,
1: significant, a significant
0: other? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, riding my bike, you know, um, and nature. Um, yeah, I mean music is kind of, I don't know, it's kind of... Is your bitch, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <All
1: right. laughs> okay. uh, when and where did you record this session for the Decisive uh, Podcast Live series? Where was it recorded?
0: Right where I am right now. Um, right where I'm right now because I'm Skyping on my studio computer, so uh, all the equipment's right next to me, so right, right here where I'm sitting. Um, where I have my studio at home. Oh,
1: okay. You seem to have implemented some dark soundscapes and minimal minimalistic plateau, if you will. Um, and at times, some complex rhythms. What equipment did you record this live performance?
0: Well, I mean, <clears throat> same equipment, nothing's changed since last time. So I've got like um, my Dave Smith Tempest drum machine and a Roland JX-03 synth. Um, and I've got um, some soft synths running in the computer and some audio loops and stuff. Um, the synths in the computer and the JX sequenced using a bit of software called numerology which is like step sequencing. Uh, modular step sequencing for the computer that works with hardware or software. So. Um, and then a bunch of controllers controlling what goes on in the computer, and then that's it. Um, just recorded straight mm-hmm. down to two track, you mm-hmm. know.
1: We was we yeah. were talking about uh, the conceptual part of this uh, series, and and kind of guiding the listener or guiding your core listeners to. Uh, walk them through your process per performance. Is there any particular idea or mood you were looking for? Um,
0: Well, in this one that I've just done, I suppose it's because it was like gray and winter, and you've got that gray Berlin sky here constantly. Oh yeah. So that that was an inspiration. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, God, you know, you're at that, like when I started getting stuff together, I mean, I'm constantly, you know, Pulling stuff together anyway, whatever, with music. But um, with this one, I thought, oh God, we're like, at furthest point of year from festival season in Europe. It's kind of hard to hold on to that feeling sometimes in mm-hmm. winter. And I think uh, I've been out on a bike ride that day when I recorded it, came back. And so it was just the idea, I thought, okay, it's like coming in from the cold sort of thing. Mm mm-hmm. It, it, it It's winter, and so I thought I'd, um, yeah, start a little bit more sort of like low key and then wind it up a bit as it went on, you know. So, so, so is that, it safe to say
1: you you um concoct these kind of emotions uh as an experience or um what you're feeling at the moment, or
0: yeah, um, I'd say so, yeah, 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 De- definitely very much that, um. Uh, I think, you know, music has been so done, if you like. Um, Oh, you mean
1: everything's been done, you mean?
0: Yeah, in a way. And I think now, as people keep saying, what's the original thing? What's the original thing? I think now, if you like, you've got to put your soul into it. You know, the people out there who, like, get noticed now, um, I mean, part. I mean, well, the ones who've got staying power, because you know, anyone who can work the internet can get noticed. You know, <laughs> give me some advice. That'd be great. But yeah, I mean, it, it's like all great music is soul music. Do you know what I mean? You know, um, all great music is soul music. Uh, if it was done, you know, that, I think that's the great thing Even when you look at bands like The Beatles and stuff like that and, you know, yeah, Led Zeppelin and bands, um, you know, there was an honesty to what was being done there. Um, and, yeah, I think these days, like, you know, look when the White Stripes happened like 20 years ago. I mean, crikey, playing the blues but like, you know, they've played it like they meant it. So
1: are you also saying that there's no honesty placed on the music nowadays or, I
0: No, mean... no, not at all. Um, but I think there's always been that thing like with manufactured pop music, when you're writing for a market or what have you, where you're writing for a market and so you've got to like churn out the Boy Meets Girl hits despite what's going on in your own life or what have you. Then there's a kind of like, so you can kind of dismiss that, and then you have bands or artists who have a certain strict manifesto which which informs everything they do. Um, you know, Underground Resistance would be a great example of that, you know, um, there is Ethos. Yeah, yeah, and like, you know, Killing Joke would be, you know, probably the equivalent of them in the rock world. And then you've got the people who like, you know, really go out on the limb and like, you know, really do deal with what they're feeling at the moment sort of thing.
1: It's kind of staying in your lane, if you will.
0: Well, well, um, or, or however they're feeling on the date, that's what goes into the music. I suppose sometimes when you're writing music uh, and you start with a clean sheet, that's kind of how it goes. Yeah, I mean, when house and techno and stuff, I find that a discipline. I can churn out experimental music, you know, quite easily. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah, I mean, um, well, I used to. I mean, I was doing it like 20 odd years ago uh, with this laptop jams thing I was involved that a friend of mine started. And we were just like jamming with laptops and stuff. And I did a lot of experimental performances in the early 2000s. And I started getting back into techno doing it live again, but this time in a more improvised, sort of open-ended way, rather than being dictated by the sort of timeline of the sequencer, which was our case when we had to play live in the old days. It came from that, really. It came from that. Uh, That's how the whole JLab thing started, you know. I always wanted it to be performance-based. Okay. There was a while when I, I did a you know, a few years back, more sort of formally produced stuff. Um, but when I listen back to that stuff now, there's not, you know what, I never submitted any of that music. Um, there's a couple of actually listening back to it now. There's a couple of good tracks, but it was lacking something for me. Um, and that's when I decided, okay, I'll get back into having a couple of machines again. I've been working in the computer exclusively for, since the beginning of the 2000s.
1: This next question is a three part, I guess. Um, when, where, and how did you discover electronic music?
0: When? I suppose my first exposure to electronic music, like a lot of small kids, like a lot of kids of my age in Britain, would have been the theme music to the sci-fi series for kids, Doctor Who. Which a big, yeah. big, big, radio funny, But of course that was played and it's got like you know, you know, it's like the groove of it. I mean it could do a status pose song, couldn't it? Mm. <laughs> 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 yeah. I don't made the, that that groove over here. <laughs> but I suppose um the first proper electronic music I was about five years old. Um, Outer Barn was dropped as a single in Britain by Kraftwerk and it was picked up as the theme music to a science series on kids TV on the BBC. Mm. So every week, you know, you watch a science series and there would be Kraftwerk's Outer Barn and there was something really on
1: the
0: yeah just play the intro part you know before the singing started but um the uh the thing about that song was for me realizing that there was something about it and it's only sort of like many years later about 20 years later that i realized what it was was uh, that was the first piece of music i heard that had no apart from the voice, and even that was processed, had no resonance on it, no movement of air. It was just electronic signals going straight through a mixing desk and down to tape. You didn't even mic up speakers or anything like that, unlike when the Doctor Who thing was recorded, where that was kind of, in a way, there was tape loops and stuff, but there was also conventionally played parts and conventionally recorded things. Um, so that was two reasons how, I mean, when. So that would have been the early 70s and then with, I suppose, the next big landmark record would have been I Feel Love by Donna Summer, you I know, feel love. and then of course, like you know, about a year or so later, you know, how you had the whole electronic explosion, mm-hmm. UK bands like, you know, Gary Newman, Two Way Army. Soft sell, um, humanly.
1: <laughs> That's right. Oh, oh boy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Depeche
0: Mode, the best mode. And awesome. uh, yeah, and then um, you think there uh, ever be you think there ever be
1: electronic music that is modern, nice such sound as soft sell and New Order. Um, I mean, with you know,
0: with style and grace that they had back in that period. You know what I mean? Well, there is stuff, isn't there? And there are people who have certain a certain quality and feel to their records. Underground resistance. I mean, you know, uh, I mean, you know, Matt Mike and those guys—they've got chops. I mean, with... not
1: necessarily copy them, but actually modernize.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, for me, that, that whole electro clash thing that happened 20 years ago, okay, um, kind of reminded me somewhat of that. You know, monophonic synth lines, mm-hmm. very simple drum beats. You know, um, that was kind of like taking it back. Mm. But uh, and then you've got people who work in a minimalistic way and make a big statement like this. Billy Eilish, you know, um, you can sort of definitely sort of hear the DNA of all that in people like that. Definitely. Can
1: you describe the experience and what it's what
0: it was that you
1: enjoy about this music?
0: Um, There's a sense of possibility about it. Um, For instance, when you listen to a DJ, I mean, you know, um, DJ's got a hundred records, two turntables, well, how many infinite variations can you, like, you know, use that vinyl? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the way one track fades into another, stuff like Mm -hmm. that, the Mm -hmm. way the the mood can be lifted. and yeah, uh, and, and bringing a sense of that into the live thing as well, um, to be able to do that. When when you spark that bit of magic, you know, when when you when you do something where you feel it and the audience gets it as well, you know, it's a great feeling. But um, yeah, it's uh, I suppose yeah. It communicates on a different level, doesn't it? Because, you know, it's, you know, in a lot of house and techno, okay, you do have a lot of house music and you need some techno with lyrics and words in, but, you know, predominantly it's instrumental music. So.
1: Had you ever experienced this on the dance floor rather than just playing it yourself?
0: Mm. Yeah, okay, yeah, absolutely. And it was that desire thinking, you know, I suppose the only way I could describe it with musicians is sometimes when you're jamming with musicians and you're really locked in and not falling back on the usual sort of like jam session tropes and chops, and you you end up in this space where you, what, what how did that happen, you know? Um, and yeah, it's it, it's uh, it's kind of like a like that, trying to flip over into the other side. Uh, and it happens sometimes. I mean, I was, I was recording, uh, I recorded some stuff out last night and I found myself in, a, you know, the places between the spaces, you know, and I thought, oh. How was 2019 for you? Not too bad. Um, saw mm. some great music. Not enough towards the end of the year. Any highlights? Saw a few good concerts. Uh, free Rotation was epic, there was some great stuff there, as always. Mm-hmm. Um, um, some particularly great live sets there. Um, and then yeah, I saw some great concerts last year. I saw my three favorite bands live.
1: And those three are?
0: Um, Sun Ra Orchestra. Sun Ra. Ra yeah um magma who are a french jazz rock band who've been going for 50 years Mm -hmm. they're kind of like uh like i suppose like a a white summer orchestra but from the dark side. they have a very singular vision And a sound that is totally uniquely theirs and it is it's you know, it's the Marmite bands either get it or you don't you know
1: do you find um, do you find electronic music is uh, there's a lot of dark they, it was went to dub to drones but quite dark and sinister yeah it, I mean I quite I mean, like some stuff yeah, I
0: mean this is yeah.
1: amazing what I mean what happened to inspirational music that? Lightens your hearts, or, or kind of. I mean, what what are we coming to? I mean, what is it? Donald Trump? Is it uh, uh, bombs? Is what
0: is it? Well, in the times, I think I think Donald Trump is an interesting position because I think you know, uh, is everybody living in the dark or what? Well, you know, they're dark times, aren't they? But I mean, um, I think for me, it's. There's two ways with like dealing with the darkness of music, how you can approach it. Uh, and one is to remind people of the universal love that holds us all together and makes it all worthwhile and makes shit happen at the end of the day. Nothing happens without love because mm-hmm. otherwise we're just fighting each okay. other. Okay. Nothing happens without love. So. You know, if you can do that authentically, you know, blow a hole through people's soul and remind them why all this crap is worthwhile and why certain shit is worth fighting for.
1: Because
0: I think people are getting ground down by the whole social media barrage and stuff like that. We weren't wired up for this shit. And then the other thing is, is I think sometimes you can have music that's dark and it's cathartic, it's cathartic you like, you know, it's the darkest, like, you know, and then it pulls you through on the other side. Um, but I think you can't, you have to have something in that. You have to have something in that. You can't just, if you just end up going on about how dark and shit everything is, you end up sounding like a Norwegian black metal band. You know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, all grunts and vocals <laughs> and stuff like that, and everything just sounds like a fucking cement mixer. Complain,
1: um- <laughs> complain, <Exactly>. not happy. <laughs> to make your life miserable too. This
0: great. Yeah, and then and then and then you've got like um, a band, say like Killing Joke, who I saw last year as well. Are one of my all-time favourite bands. Um, who've been writing about everything that's going on now for the last forty years? I mean, when they started out, uh, they said in an early interview, "We are the soundtrack to a future you don't want to happen," and it's happening. And it's, and it's happening. Oh God! But you come out of their concerts feeling absolutely magnificent, cleansed. Yeah. Well, I mean, mean, it helps that the music is absolutely magnificent. I mean, they sound like no other band. They sound like them. And you know, that's that. Could Um, you say what your
1: plans are for 2020?
0: We've got free rotation coming up in the summer. So I'll have my usual, um, you know, doing all my stuff. I'm going to try to make my way out here this year, man. Tell me. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, to do more gigs, more music. I um, you're gonna put some music got,
1: up on beat, uh, Bandcamp, right? You said.
0: That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was quite surprised actually. The ambient thing went quite well. Um, hey man, if
1: you if you if if something sparks you from the Decisive Live series and you wanna like make a make a a uh, a uh,
0: uh, uh, record out of it, man, that'll be hot. Well, I mean, there's always stuff. I mean, you know, when it's recording, I find. The best stuff is core for me these days as a performance. And I think a lot of those great records, like people going about, you know, the great records and analysing sort of the early Detroit techno stuff and things like that. I think what makes them great is that they actually have to get their hands on when they made those records. Okay, machines are spitting out the patterns, but like they're tweaking the filters and riding the mixer and doing all that sort of stuff. And it was just put, you know, no sequencer, it was just put down to tape. Um, performance is kind of where the true magic is. I mean, you listen to those Tam, the Motown records. I mean, that band. I mean, the Funk Brothers. I mean, one of the greatest bands that ever played. Mm. You know, and you—I mean, do you ever do you ever hear a Motown record from that classic '58-71 period when they were recording in Detroit? And you don't want to get up and dance? Nope. Um, you know, they're amazing. Or,
1: or you just you hit your eyes roll, close your eyes, and your eyes roll back in your head. Get
0: uh, yeah.
1: goosebumps.
0: Yeah, and you yeah. can remember uh,
1: what that song was, and
0: yeah, and 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 you know, like the, the first Led Zeppelin album, like done, recorded, and mixed in sixteen hours. Boom, and <laughs> it still sounds One incredible. One would never
1: know you are a rockhead when they hear your music. Oh, a live performance that you do for yeah. like, for me. That's crazy. Um...
0: Well, I do I do like music every now I mean, you know, I, I, I grew up with it. I grew up with like uncles listening to it and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, went through my metal faves in my teenage years. But, you know, I was always like I I've never been one of these people um, who could stick to one tribe really, apart from maybe my two or three year metal phase. I've always liked, I couldn't understand. I was a kid getting beaten down on in the playground (laughs) because I liked the specials and ACDC. Now you could like one or the other, but not both. You know what I mean? They were the rules. (laughs) Good music's good music. You know, like mean? it's that's the way it is. And uh, <laughs> there's a lot,
1: there's a lot spoken about the Berlin music scene. Um, what's going on there at the moment?
0: Well, I mean, Muller closed down last week, which was a bit of a oh, um,
1: you couldn't save yeah. it. Huh? They couldn't save it, huh? Couldn't
0: oh, save it. no the developers are moving in on that. Jeez. Um, um, Sorry so, yeah, that's 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 a bit of a blow. Well, um, one door
1: closes, another one opens.
0: Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, um, but the doors that seem to be open these days seem to be getting further and further out, you know, because oh, the yeah? pressures, space, rent, and whatnot. Um, so, yeah. I mean, so, we'll, so it's we'll, it difficult we'll at the
1: moment, know. except for those the long-standing the long clubs like Ber- uh, Berkheim and... And uh Watergate and um I'm sure there's many others uh
0: Yeah, they they, they they sort of keep chugging on. I've got to admit, I mean I don't go out as often as I used to. Um I tend to go out to see something I want to see. You exactly. This is okay, dude. This is what um, you know, yeah. uh so yeah, um but there, there's some good things happening. I've been really impressed, actually, the last three or four months the programming at Trezor. Whoa. At Trezor,
1: okay, good. Mm-hmm.
0: been okay. off the hook. Okay, great. Been off the hook. Have you had the chance really? to
1: swing by there since it's, the lineup is so great?
0: Yeah, I was there last week, actually. Kerry Anderson, who played at Free Rotation last year, she played downstairs Carrie, last week. Kerry
1: uh, uh, Anderson is the one you told me that was you really enjoyed... I think we on oh, the last interview, right?
0: Yeah, 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 she played, a, she DJed this time. Um, she wasn't doing a live set, she was DJing, but it was great, it was great. And uh, okay, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, that was good. Um, and I can't remember the last time before that, um, was probably when Underground Resistance played back in November or December. Mm-hmm yeah oh,
1: cool um anything else exciting going down in berlin besides the closing of i mean okay <laughs> it's
0: funny i try to keep my head down sometimes oh, yeah. Uh i oh, mean, I mean yeah. Why, and, yeah and why is that <laughs> get on with stuff Okay. You know, okay you can sometimes i call it a cool but i call it but it makes yeah sense. I call Berlin sometimes the world's biggest village because like, you know you go out in a village and you know, you might want to go from one end of the village to the other. It'd take you a couple of hours because mm. everyone stops and wants to talk to you and stuff like that, yeah, which is great, but it can get like that in Berlin sometimes. Um, and yeah, sometimes I don't know when I'm working, when I'm not working, so I try to just try and make hay when the sun shines, you know what I mean? When I've got <laughs> a certain amount of time, hammer down on some music so yeah
1: okay well i tell you one thing i'm surely looking forward to uh, a great year with you um for your bi monthly yes. live performance for
0: the decisive well, yeah, live series gonna be exciting it's gonna be a challenge as well and so uh, those of you that yeah. are
1: listening this guy is really very talented and i'm really looking forward to what he will his ideas and his concept for each and every one of them Because he, he is able to do a lot of different things And um, he's he's What I love about J-Lab is that he's willing To take on this Endeavor um, and it's a challenge Normally these podcasts Mixes are being done by DJs so, And I've tried to Raise the bar a bit and go to And have, have live performance Exclusively for these Particular series, these so, series so that we can get quality listeners and people that really appreciate the work that's being done here. And uh, please be sure to come back and check out his uh, live performances because they will be exclusive and they will be unique and you won't get them anywhere else. Um, with that said, JLab, I look, uh, really appreciate you being on the program and I'm really, really looking forward to for people to hear this particular, the first one of the year. Uh,
0: And thank you so much, my friend, peace. No worries, no worries. Peace to you too. And uh, we'll see each other soon, hopefully.
1: Yes, sir, yes, sir. Ah, yeah. I love music so much. Thank you so much, J Lab. It's been a pleasure having you. And your energy for you, the listeners. Thank you also. Really make sure that you put on your calendar Save the Date Decisive Podcast Series Live Series, Decisive Podcast Series Munich Exclusive, Decisive Podcast Series Guest Mix, Decisive Podcast Series Specials. Go over to our SoundCloud page. Go to the Decisive website. Go to the Decisive series Facebook group. Don't forget to listen to the radio show every third Friday of the month. Till later, I'm Roberto Q. Ingram. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the program. Peace.